0: Hello, remote friends, the information from this podcast is rich with remote support, but it's even more important that you go from information to application to get the best results possible. Remote work is here to stay, and we want to help you on your way. So let us know how we can support you even more by visiting remotepathways.com. There you will find a quick link to talk with us directly. Reach out to Jen for all your teamwork, leadership, coaching, and facilitation needs. And reach out to Michelle for developing a healthy, sustainable rhythm of life through spiritual practices, 90-day projects, and simple structures to support your remote working journey. Until we connect, thank you for listening. It's such an honor going remote together with you. Let's explore the remote world. Together, we'll discover the people, places, and pathways to working remotely. We'll engage in great conversations, share tips and valuable resources, and connect you with voices from the field. Let's go remote together.
1: Well, it's great to be back with you. It's a new year. We've got fantastic new episodes planned for 2022. Starting off with Winston Faircloth, I'm really looking forward to our upcoming conversation in just a few minutes.
0: Yes. So I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Winston. He's also an amazing remote team architect, data storyteller, and writer. He's been the CEO and executive leader for over three decades, a serial entrepreneur at the intersection of technology, teamwork, and mission-based organizations, the creator of team-focused leadership programs such as Unlock and Compass, and is the host of For Love of Team, a fantastic leadership podcast, which actually brought us together. I met Winston at the Real Life Process Facilitator Retreat in Illinois this past year, and we had engaged in maybe a 10-minute conversation, just fresh meeting, and I was Just heard a little bit of his heart around for love of team. And I said, you have to be my co-host, Jennifer Britton, and you must come on our podcast. You're so in alignment um, with what we do and our listeners will so benefit from what you do. So the dream is here. Winston, welcome. We're so glad you've joined us at the virtual table of the Remote Pathways podcast.
2: Well I'm I'm honored to be here. I love the work that you do. And as a remote worker myself for over 20 years, I'm so thankful that this resource exists and this community exists. So thank you for the opportunity.
1: Wonderful to have you, Winston. I'm just meeting you for the first time today, but anytime I see the word team, I go yes. (laughs) So Welcome. And I'm going to get get Michelle to kick us off and I'll
0: pop in some questions as we go. Winston, thank you for bringing this important topic to the table uh, because I think our listeners are really, really going to benefit from it. Um, And you're leading us through using data storytelling to unite leadership teams. Please tell us more. Unpack this topic for us.
2: Well, it's, it's a challenge um, to really bring teams together, and especially founder-led teams. And so my focus primarily is with early stage companies, organizations, their founders, and their leadership teams, both in the voluntary sector and in the corporate sector. And so one of the things I noticed is that for many founders and leaders, they can get really frustrated that all of the innovation and all of the opportunity seems to be coming from them and not their team members. And, you know, they feel like they're the bottleneck for a lot of innovation, especially cross-functional type innovations. And so they, you know, there, there's this question about why is that? So did I not hire the right people? Do I not surround myself with the right talent? And it really is more fundamental than that. I think it, it is because the founder leader has a lot more context, has a lot more history, and they have that bigger up, as our friend Teresa says, up on the balcony view of their business. And so part of what I've been uh, helping leaders reconsider is how do they level the playing field of information, especially in uh, mid-stage teams? You know, the, the founder... They, have, they know all that history. They know all the context. They know all the pivots and twists and turns in getting the organization to this point. You know, therefore, they have the best head and gut with respect to the organization and where it needs to go. And yet their teams are usually, especially if they're functionally oriented, um, they know their part of the business really well, but they may not see those same opportunities in other parts of the organization. So it's really challenging for them to contribute. Um, And this is also true for founders who, you know, are more solopreneur in in their orientation. Uh, They are working with contractors or project people on a part-time basis. And so they even have this challenge to a greater degree in terms of, of doing that and one of the other things I notice about teams like this is that we want to always surround ourselves with high quality, high talent people. And yet these are folks, you know, I, I say a lot of within my practice that the uh, A-plus players really have two requirements to do a great job. They need a very compelling why, and they need crystal clear what success looks like. And a lot of times we want to get into the how with them. And that's, you know, we're not, we're really kind of disregarding their gifts and talents. So working with data and telling a compelling story with data is a really important way to level that playing field. It, it provides that context, that, that compelling why it's, you know, and together through shared meaning and understanding and evaluation of that data, they can come up with a uh, shared what success looks like. And I think that is a very empowering strategy. I think it really attracts and retains A-plus team members. And I think it takes a big load off the founder leader to always be that um, inspirational uh, maverick that's leading the team all the time. And I think, frankly, it, it can be exhausting for the founder leader to always be the one carrying that load alone.
1: Love this topic. I think it's so relevant as a founder myself, who is growing her team right now. And you know, Winston certainly at this moment, at least for those of us that have either virtual businesses or remote first burst businesses, what's so important about this topic of you know for founders? Because I think I I can sort of hear in between the lines that there might be some traps that you know, organizations and founders find themselves and What's so important about this in the remote space right now?
2: See, I think, I think, you know, everything, we know that everything changed in March, 2020, you know, and I think part of this is kind of unlearning practices that we've grown up with in larger, uh, more physically based structures. And so I think it's also an invitation to unlearn some things that maybe we use in terms of our planning process. You know, I think of I think a lot in the before March twenty twenty and after March twenty twenty timeframe. That's just the the reference point for me right now. You know, I think in a lot of ways the way we did planning and team building and everything was very much um, data driven and rational head type focused uh, before March twenty twenty and immediately for most founders and leaders, we had to be a lot more intuitive and free-flowing right? in the aftermath of March 2020. And so I think one of the benefits of the pandemic for me, and I think for a lot of other founders, is that we have to now embrace both head and gut in terms of how we're doing that. And I think a lot of times founders really gravitate to one or the other. And I think this is now an invitation to bring both together, um, head, heart and gut, if we really want to be disclosing about that. But I think for most founders, when we talk about heart or love of team, they kind of squirm a little bit. So let's stay with head and gut for now in terms of uh, the ways that we bring those together so that uh, we don't do that. And for remote teams in particular, their access to that kind of context and information. We don't have that water cooler type situation that we had in physical locations where we could have those kind of bump into each other's. I know that you do a lot of work to kind of help remote teams facilitate that kind of uh, more casual engagements. But uh, I think that makes it more challenging for remote teams because we don't have that shared experience and we don't have those kind of informal opportunities to connect.
1: yeah such a such a great response. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I love that part where you were talked about unlearning what we had before. We've got to be willing to let things go in order to make room for the new like I mentioned before. and I love the creative out of the box. Framework that you're bringing of intuitive and free flowing. I had mentioned this before on another podcast that I'm waiting for the book that's titled "Then COVID Happened," because I <laughs> truly think that is the time frame everybody's looking at. That's that's the contrast. But yeah, so do you have any stories to tell or anything to share around embracing this new concept?
2: Well, yeah, I think that there is so there's a. There's a process and a framework that gets us to data storytelling. Um, and I think there are some rules of the road or guardrails, I think maybe a better way to say it. So the way that the process works is really goes through this progression of head first, then creating space for that intuitive work. So for example, one of the things we do is we ask people to bring together a data, a set of data in their organization that uh, we could all see and witness. So a lot of times the stories that we have about our company and about, about the, wor- the work we're doing is more um, narrative in nature. And we want to start with actual data points. And some founders say to me, well, I, don't, I haven't collected a lot of data or I don't have a lot of data. Well, how you spend your time is a data point. The fact that we ask you to construct a data set is also going to give you data points of, I wish I were collecting X, Y, or Z. So, So step one is collecting data that you believe will help tell a story about your business over the last X months, X years. So it's a very organic process, company by company, to do this. So that step one is gathering the data that we have. Step two is where we begin to bring in more of this intuitive and evaluative part where we actually ask your team, whether it's an internal team or a team of cohort members to help you make statements out of these data points. So we're just randomly looking at the data and saying, I notice X and Y and we just put it in a very kind of no emotional statement, just a, an observation of, of what you see in the data that's in front of all of us in the room. And then after we've exhausted ourselves with all of those different observations, now we get to the place of evaluation. We say, Are, is this statement taken by itself something we'd like to continue or something we'd like to turn around? So is it a strength or a weakness? We just kind of go through this voting up or down process and out of that work, the body of those three steps, there are going to be in themes that emerge. And those themes give us a guidepost about what actions we can do to improve our organization going forward. And, and by the way, a lot of times, the, leader is, the leader's role in this discovery process and, and this entire process is very much minimized because everyone typically wants to turn to the leader for the answer to whether this is a good thing or bad thing. We don't want the leader to be involved. We want the team to be uh, doing the evaluation and the discovery process here. So, the themes really drive that improvement process for the teams. And it tells, begins to tell a story thematically of what's going on, what, what our aspirations and goals and desires are. And now they're backed up by facts that we've uncovered in the earlier discovery. And it gives us then the blueprint for the creative work of, so what do we want to do about that over the next four quarters? So that's the process in a, in a nutshell of just you know, creating the space to do each one of those steps independently so that then by the end, you've got a very compelling story that brings that rational side and the intuitive side and the creative side all together that the team owns, the team drives, and actually a lot of times presents back to the leader, uh, at the end. And so it's, and it's time compressed that brings a lot of creativity to this. Uh, we typically do this process in about a day and a half, two days when we're with a very large team. And um and so the the fact that they have a report out, that they have a time-bound uh situation really enhances the creativity and the and the uh commitment to getting this work done in a very fast way.
1: Do you have a quick story to share with us? Again, keeping in mind of some of these layers it's it's you know about the founder but it's about the team it's about data and innovation it's about the head and the heart there's a lot of tensions in this and so out of that what what could people maybe expect what have been some success stories or next stories for others
2: yeah two two i would call these were both pre-pandemic so i'll give you that context one was a dental practice that we did uh, where we the, the dentist and the entire dental practice took some time to look at their data. They all agreed that their dentist was a very ethical person who did not sell procedures that weren't needed, but they also wanted to be able to cut their time Collectively, and not earn any less, they wanted to go to a four-day work week, and so we went through a process that looked at all of their bookings and the ways that they use their time and how they how the team worked together to maximize one another's time and effectiveness. And they were able to, at the end of the process, go to a four-day work week without cutting anybody's income, especially the dentist. Um, so they that was a real great outcome for them the other one i did pre-pandemic was i was working with a not-for-profit organization who really had the bulk of their money coming in from special event fundraising and when we looked at their history of how they had raised money and how they managed stewardship engagements they noticed that they they were much more effective pre 2 or 3 years before doing more of the major gift stewardship opportunities as opposed to event-based fundraising. So they made the decision pre-pandemic to go back to that model. And this is in a very social part of Florida, you know, where a lot of special event fundraising is, is the rage. And they made the decision, strategic decision to minimize those special event fundraisers So that when the pandemic actually happened, a happy coincidence in their part, they were prepared and they didn't miss a beat. They were actually more successful in 2020 with their overall fundraising because they had taken a look backwards to see where they were most
1: effective before. That's brilliant. Thank you for sharing those.
0: Listeners, tune in. Listen what Winston just shared. Not only did he give you great information about this process he walked uh, people through. But that's those two stories right there are the inspiration. Let it inspire you into action. Push rewind if you need to. And here did it really stood out to me what you just said, because they went through this process when the pandemic hit um, that they were prepared in a way or equipped to pivot and to keep moving forward. Um, So that's that's very telling. That's very inspiring right now. (laughs) So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, the other part that's coming to my heart, and I i was a participant in your Unlock Workshop, I know we're going to be sharing, is the application piece. We have the information of this awesome process. Um, we have the inspiring stories that you just shared. So what might be a practical application if if our listeners are tuning in right now and saying, wow, this really resonates with me?
2: Well, I think the invitation is to look at your current situation determines the pathway really here. If you are a solopreneur and and there's nothing more um, isolating than being, you know, your own leader and your own uh, business leader, the invitation to do this work in a cohort with other peers who are similarly situated to you, I think is an interesting application of this model. I've done it traditionally in within an organization and for teams within an organization. I actually have had a couple of founders who've said, can you do this for us? How would you structure something like this for us? And so we've created a safe and trusting environment where we will go organically where the founder wants to go. What data story do you want to bring to your peers? And have these fresh set of eyes help you see what's going on in your business. What you're measuring or not measuring, and so we're creating out of this uh, a peer experience for founders where they can do this work in a similar way that we've done it within organizations. So that's something I'm super excited about. It's uh, it's an experiment. We will get it better and better over time, and. Uh, And I'm excited to have peers that I can share my business with too. So it's also, I I want that same benefit for me in terms of fresh eyes and new approaches and new perspectives, because it can be very isolating as a founder, Uh, whether you have a remote team or not, it can, you know, it's, it's hard to be the one at the top and uh, it can be very lonely at the top. And that's a truism, I think, for founders and leaders of organizations. So creating that safe space with a safe process, uh, and a facilitated process that gets them to an outcome that they want. And if nothing else, I think the one takeaway for every founder is they will see ways to stay more in their gifting, stay more in their flow. Cause that's the opportunity. When I think of teams as an example, I use a very broad definition of team. It isn't your compensation approach doesn't determine whether you're a team member or not, whether I'm a 1099 contractor or an employee doesn't matter. Uh, my team was just here. I had a team member just here cutting my grass. It allowed me to stay focused on the work that I'm gifted in doing. So I think more broadly about team than, you know, people who are directly in the business. And so I think similarly for founders and leaders of remote teams, it's a broader network that really comprises the team that keeps you focused on what you gift your are gifting and what you do best.
0: And that's what I heard when I had that conversation with you in the first 10 minutes is just like your podcast name of for love of team. And also my immediate desire to connect you with Jennifer, because I heard that same strand of the people first, all these programs and the different things that we're putting together. It's for the heart of the people and the founders. You even said founder friends uh, at one time. So yeah, so beautiful. So Jen, I can only imagine what's happening in your heart. There's so many things that echo uh, what you do.
1: If there's one nugget that you want to leave people with to chew on or think about, what would that one thing be? Equipping
2: your team with the context that you have in the background that you have as a founder really unlocks their creativity and innovation and their ability to contribute. We all sign up. When we as, an, as a team member, we all sign up to make a difference. We want to be connected to a, a compelling mission. We want the latitude and creativity to do the work that we're gifted to do. And by keeping our founder focused on what they do best that is like one of the best contributions. So a process like this that equips me and levels the playing field of information so that I can contribute, I think would be an amazing thing for a team member as well as for the founder. So I'm super excited about offering this and helping more organizations consider uh, a non-traditional way of doing strategic planning
0: someone is out there listening and they're like, I've got to connect with Winston. I'm just resonating with everything that, that he is sharing today. What is that connection? How do they get in touch with you, Winston? What's the best way?
2: Well, for love of team is the domain. Uh, That is the name of our practice. Um, There's a funny story behind that, but it's, uh, but it really does. It does for me speak to that people first culture that I think is so critical to success. Um, You know, I loved in, in earlier life, Michelle, I loved my clients and I loved my service way more than I loved my team. And it actually led me to be not uh, very unfulfilled as a founder uh, because of the culture I had accidentally created, because I did not uh, elevate the love of my team to above the client and the product experience. And so I'm on a mission to redeem that story from my past and uh, to help founders really put their people first.
0: That's absolutely amazing. What an incredible mission that you are on. So glad you said yes to that invitation, Winston, because I, the fruit is going to be good. <laughs> I can already imagine. So, And you have the current Unlock opportunity. That program is available. We'll share it on our guest page, but that opening is coming, right?
2: Yes. So it's something we'll be doing about once a quarter in the cohort model. Um, so the first one is uh, coming up in Texas. And then, but that link will will point you to uh, whatever the next cohort that's available.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Winston, for joining us for this important conversation, for adding value to our listeners and connecting with my friend, Jen.
1: Winston, it was a pleasure I know that our listeners will love today's episode, especially founders and those thinking about, you know, yeah, how do, we, how do we scale? How do we really activate the excellence that organizations are truly capable of? So I look forward to connecting with you as well, even after our episode. So listeners, check out Winston's work for love of team. And as always, Michelle, it's been great to spend a few minutes with you, not on the hybrid highway this month, but back in the remote pathway. So with that, you always get final word.
0: Until we meet again. Take care, everyone. Be well.